What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. Each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 65, we sit down with Paul Burtis from Circuit Meter. Interesting episode. It was really great speaking with Paul and hearing about his career path and how he was able to utilize his engineering and business background to successfully turn around businesses throughout his career and eventually run Circuit Meter today. It was cool to hear about the organization, that Paul's running and how his company is really doing their part in the climate change fight, as he put it. I also want to stick around until the end to hear what he wants his lasting legacy to be. Great stuff there. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So I say this every time, but if you're one of the folks out there who are still streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy the episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between Paul and I, so let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Paul Murtis, who is the CEO of Circuit Meter. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we made this thing happen. So I know we're uh, we're going to get into Circuit Meter and, and tell the audience a little bit more about the business and how you guys are going to market. But before we do that, I was hoping you could tell us about your background, where you grew up, and then how you got started in this uh, this energy industry. Uh, I grew up in Northern Ontario in Canada, and uh, and I went and, uh, I went to the University of Waterloo and got a degree in mechanical engineering. Uh, graduated in the early '80s, and I. Uh, I had an interest in energy all along, um, particularly with the 70s with, um, uh, with the energy crisis and uh, the start of the emerging solar energy technology, which fascinated me. So I did my first, um, first number of years uh, learning about the design of HVAC systems in industrial and commercial applications. I had some opportunities to get involved in actual solar thermal um, engineering uh, design, et cetera, and also... Um, uh, software design uh, for passive solar um, energy modeling for um, what we have up here is uh, Enercan, which is uh, a government design contract. So I got involved in some of the alternatives back in the 80s, even when it was starting to become you know uneconomic. Uh, but then I followed my my plan, which was to do an MBA. Uh, I, I majored in finance. I wanted to always wanted to get into the business side of things. And coming out of that, I ended up getting involved with um, with an engineering consulting firm that was, you know, heavily involved in the transportation field, um, and and I got involved with um, uh, technology uh, work. Uh, we developed uh, some interesting um, systems that uh, uh, ended up uh, sort of redefining how railways plan their uh, the track maintenance and actually has um, uh, meaning in uh, in today's applications of, of energy management systems. Um, but uh, then I got involved then in uh, in managing our the growth of our company in the United States and into uh, Europe and the Middle East in the '90s, uh, and uh, ultimately did work with the World Bank, the European Development Bank in the Middle East and Asia, 
um, managing um, both technology projects and infrastructure, um, again, in, in urban and commercial buildings, as well as in, in railways and in transit, et cetera, as well as in high-tech you know, railway um, um, uh, management systems that uh, guide, a, that guide the, um, uh, the proper economic and engineering planning of, of railway maintenance activities. And that, so that was in the UK and, and also even in Russia. So, so that all sort of led to me moving to Montreal in the in the late '90s to um, to take on turnaround management of some subsidiaries of the CN Canadian National, which was heavily into the railway uh, industry and um, a number of turnaround businesses. Uh, one of which uh, included management of their whole technology portfolio, and so I really got into bringing new tech to market and. Um, uh, railway being really a continental thing, um, uh, I said goodbye to the uh, to the European uh, stuff and basically concentrated on Canada and the United States. We ultimately brought uh, leading edge technologies to the railway industry in the U.S. Uh, in the area of railway remote controls, um, and uh, and 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 I got um, from a turnaround management point of view, I got into high growth situations where you're taking a technology product. Uh, in that case, primarily into the U.S. and growing by an order of magnitude within a couple of years. You've so done a lot. Few... You've done yeah. a lot. Yeah, I just, yeah. Uh, I'm hearing. I'm hearing. Um, man, you've, you've done some international stuff. So, so now it sounds like you've you focused your efforts here in, in Canada. And and what I was I was curious about, and you can maybe tell this story as we lead into the origin of Circuit Meter. But it sounds like you're a bit of an entrepreneur, right? You you kind of picked that up at point at one point in your career. So, could you tell us a little bit about that kind of that entrepreneurial uh, journey that you've been on, and, and kind of what's what's driving you to kind of run your own business here? Well, really, it was circumstantial. I mean, after I, after we did that growth. Um, uh, a stint at CN, I ended up as a senior executive in a big engineering company, uh, and we were involved in a number of things. And energy was coming back, and uh, the CEO of that firm um, was also an investor in an early stage geothermal energy company. And they ended up um, seeing if I was interested in becoming a CEO of, of an early stage company. And before that, I had no entrepreneurial experience at all. I was basically a big company, either hundreds of millions or billion dollar companies. Um, but I, I took it on, uh, perhaps a little bit naively, but I found all, out all about um, talking to investors, raising money, that kind of thing, um, capital structures and uh, governance and you know, growing uh, from having a lot of money to not having much money at all and having to go out and get it. You know, that, was, that was kind of a learning curve. Uh, how I ended up moving from there into a circuit meter is that... Um, uh, one of our uh, investors and board members uh, was a guy named Tom Rand. Tom, uh, at a certain point during that period, started uh, the clean tech practice at Mars, which is a Canadian, the largest um, clean tech incubator. Uh, and um, and subsequently, um, after we had a successful exit from the clean energy, the geothermal company, uh, he ended up... Um, uh, luring me down to Mars to do some early stage consulting and uh, some give back to the community. Yeah, he, he himself uh, basically backfilled his position at Mars in order to start up what became Arc Term Ventures. Uh, initially, it was the Mars uh, uh, Cleantech Fund. And uh, of, the, of the companies he invested in, a circuit meter was one of them. And um, he started recruiting me on the idea of um, coming out of semi-retirement to take on the CEO of this role. So, it wasn't it wasn't my first choice, but I looked at it 
and I did my own due diligence into the circuit meter technology and the founders and what they put together. And uh, basically, I came away and said, this is absolutely game-changing material. It's, um, it's an area that is going to have to take off. Uh, from my previous positions, in particular with the last engineering company, I had a really good understanding of the whole commercial industrial environment, of how facilities are operated, how they're run, building technologies, et cetera. And I could see that uh, with climate change um, uh, driving energy efficiency, uh, that the vision of the founders and the technology developed was was going to have to happen. And so, basically, I, I took it on as as a, as a mission, uh, and uh, and we've gone from I guess early stage to emerging. Um, hopefully, we'd like to come out of emerging soon. Um, that seems to be imminent. We. We basically have had to live through a two-year kind of pause, um, the COVID um, sure. recession, I'll call it, uh, for lack of a better word, basically caused most of the world to stop experimenting or, or investing in new technologies and new management methods and kind of treading water and hunkering down to you know wait it out and see how the business environment emerged. That okay. seems to be happening now. And, and so the whole world seems to be taking off probably at an accelerated pace in terms of adopting all of the initiatives that are, are going to come out of our global attack on climate change, you know, and some of which are centered around net zero targets. And, you know, in that and that combined with mass electrification, uh, energy efficiencies, you know, just a vital component. So tell us about Circuit Meter. Tell us about the business model uh, and some of the customers and types of customers that you guys work with. Sure. Well, Circuit Meter itself is um, as a technology platform developed by some um, technology veterans who are very, um, uh, very innovative in the area of data processing and cloud communications. And they correctly identified when they first founded the company and created the technology that energy efficiency management is based on it was going to be based on measuring energy use at the machine level and at the system level in real time. And metering uh, at that point was basically a piece of hardware. It was mostly done at the building level. Some sub-metering was done for landlords, sub-building tenants. But the idea of basically measuring everything had a couple of components to it. One, you need to get the, the data to the cloud. So you had to have something that they had, which was the knowledge of how to um, how to incorporate cloud communications into metering. But you also had to re-engineer the hardware to get the price way, way, way down, which is also part of their um, uh, part of their uh, blank sheet uh, basic design concept. So the whole thing is basically get the cost way down, measure highly accurately in real time at the circuit level and incorporate cloud communications and cloud-based um, energy analytics software. Because in the end, whether you're an industrial company or you're a commercial company managing buildings, you need the data in the cloud with software tools that can allow you to do things with it. The ultimate goal of which is either to reduce your energy consumption, which is energy efficiency itself, or plus or and or um, improve um, your, your demand peak profile and reduce your demand charges. So those are the primary benefits. And then there's other knock-on benefits that come along with it, which is better management of your equipment, better maintenance, better life cycle costing of your analysis uh, of your equipment. And then finally, we'll talk a bit about the future and where it's going, but it's starting to happen right now. Uh, the ability to um, 
put all this data into compliance reports, prove that you're meeting uh, government standards, et cetera, um, prove to um, you know tenants or shareholders that you are operating efficiently, that you're uh, basically pursuing um, ESG goals as they're emerging. Okay. Yeah. Since you mentioned it, let's uh, let's go ahead and let's go there. Let's look into the future, and maybe you could just build on what you had, you had mentioned there. But uh, yeah, curious to kind of see where you see the, the future of the industry heading here. Well, I think that um, you know New York City and New York State is is a nice harbinger, and also some of the things that are happening in Europe. Um, uh, first of all, I mean in New York City, they've already passed Local Law eighty eight by twenty twenty five. Every building has to be submetered. They've passed Local Law ninety seven. That imposes um, energy standards, and, uh, and if you don't meet those standards, there's going to be real teeth. I can see, you know, New York is one of the leaders in the United States in terms of being proactive about energy, um, uh, energy regulation, if you will. There's also um, NYSERDA, which has uh, what they call the RTEM program. That's real-time energy management. Our technology basically enables an RTEM application, which is this, let's measure everything. Uh, let's do it continuously and use, use that data to reduce our energy. I think that that's probably a model for what's going to happen everywhere. Um, some of the other things that are happening, though, are in virtually every in a, virtually every jurisdiction, whether it's you know the United States at the state level or in Canada, the provinces or in Europe, there is subsidy uh, money available for upgrading your capital equipment in your building, whether it's a more efficient chiller or or just LED light bulbs. But in any of the more complex equipments, there's generally a process that's involved uh, where you have to apply and then subsequently have to show that you achieve these energy state, these energy savings. And all of this requires metering. So by being on top of your building or your facility, then you're, you're, you have the ability to, to continuously avail yourself of those kind of, uh, those kind of monies, but also there's these regulatory requirements that are coming down associated with whether it's whether it's mandated or whether it's 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 mandated by your own internal policies and your ESG policies. Scope one, scope two, and scope three emission quantifications are coming in. We've got some clients already who are saying we have to do that. We might as well manage our energy, and instead of having an accounting cost imposed on us make um, essentially a management system investment in reducing our energy and we'll get and the numbers associated with the emissions will fall out of that that larger and more proactive process. So I think you know where we're going with the future is that whether for retrofit, you know 98% of the building uh, buildings you know 20 years from now are built now, you look out the window, every building you see or every industrial facility you see, they're going to have to meter, at the circuit level. They're gonna to have to install this, this type of equipment, uh, whether it's ours or someone else's, they're gonna to have to implement forensic energy management, real-time energy management. Um, in terms of um, coming uh, industry standards, I think you'll see the engineering uh, field, um, it's already happening, basically adopt the use of, or the installation and the design of this type of equipment into new facilities will become standard. Uh, and everything is approaching net zero. It's a no-brainer. You need this to protect your investment in whether it's on-site solar, uh, on-site storage, all these of heat pumps. You basically want to manage all of this equipment and maintain it so that it's operating at peak efficiency all the time. You know, I think that's where it's going. And if I can give one example, sure. uh, we have an American <laughs> manufacturing client um, that has uh, facilities in Malaysia, China, Scotland. Eastern Europe, Mexico, as well as the United States. And 
after implementing ISO 50001 in one of their European uh, facilities, they decided there was a lot of potential, but it was a bit uh, laborsome, a bit costly, and they could actually do better by being more aggressive, but being more technologically friendly. They've, they've discovered us in their search, but the, the, um, uh, the goal that they, um, that they adopted is, you know, we've, they've got uh, almost 20 million, million and a half square foot facilities and, and double again, the smaller ones. Their, their goal is we want to measure the real time energy, uh, real time energy consumption of every uh, major or medium sized piece of equipment in our process or on every production line plus every piece of equipment in the facility. We want to do that globally. We want the soft, we want to get all that information into the cloud. We want the software to set baselines for every piece of equipment. And when anything goes out of spec, we want the software to tell us so that we can essentially have a continuous energy management system globally. And on that basis, we can compare facilities. We can compare production lines. We can optimize our lifecycle costing of our, of our equipment and basically be assured that we're going to be at the peak of energy efficiency in which basically equals minimized operating costs in that area. So Sounds I think like that's a great the ultimate. That, yeah, they are. They're great. And, uh, and, and that's, I think is the ultimate. I think those, those, those um, principles all translate into um, uh, essentially what New York is already subsidizing RTEM and, and what you're going to see more and more adopted as best practices. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, that's that's good stuff. Let's transition to the last part of the show here. And I wanted to uh, ask you the same four questions I ask every guest who comes onto the podcast and wanted to lead off with, Paul, what are your daily non-negotiables? Well, I suppose I'll start by saying that I, uh, on any given day, well, I suppose anything is negotiable. But um, other than special circumstances, I, I like to get a decent night's sleep and I like to get in some exercise. Um, I I generally uh, do like to exercise, you know, before I start the day, um, get some uh, get some news in. I generally like to start with a newspaper and a coffee before I got my exercise. So start the day with some knowledge and some exercise and um, and, and generally I like to get get a bit more exercise in throughout the day. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that those are, you know, those are the main things lately. Of course, with COVID, there's really been much business travel, which really allows me to always spend a bit of time with my family every day. That's that's not possible when you're traveling, but um, but uh, certainly when you're at home, then uh, uh, you got to get yourself out from your 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 home based office desk and get yourself out and 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 take a break and spend some family time. So I think I think those are the main things. That's good stuff. So, what advice would you give to your 22 year old self? It's a Double message, but it's it's plan for the future, but enjoy your present. Make sure your day to day, your week to week, make sure this year all counts, and you enjoy the journey along the way. You know, you talked about twenty two. You're only twenty two once. You're only twenty three once. You're only twenty four once. So if you map it out for the future and you follow your plan. That's great, but don't worry too much about having to map out every detail. Just go in a direction, make the decisions that come your way along uh, along the way, and um, uh, and, and you'll probably be happy if you live if you live according to some principles and you follow your goals and your dreams. Should be good. There you go. All right, well, this is great advice. And what motivates you? What what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I think ultimately, I'd like to make a difference in this world, uh, and you know. 
these days, um, uh, notwithstanding the current, you know, ongoing issue of world peace, which I don't think I can help with um, on a day-to-day basis. And in my career, I mean, I, I'm an engineer and uh, I'm a systems executive, I'm a technology guy. I'd like to make a difference in this, uh, in this ongoing industry um, and global fight to uh, combat climate change. Uh, you know, my colleagues uh, are in this industry. I think we're all trying to uh, do our own piece. Uh, that's certainly what I'd like to do. Uh, with this company and um, after this company and other areas that there's there's a broad set of challenges for society as a whole whether it's public sector or private sector uh, and it's international in scope and um, yeah i'd like to make a difference excellent all right last question here what do you want your lasting legacy to be well, I think it's the flip side of the coin of, of my last answer which is you know if we can uh, if we can look back and say that we achieved something lasting in in the area of you know contribution to how things are done how how technologies how management methods um uh play out in 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 industry that contribute towards the you know the end goal of climate change energy efficiency everything you know i'll be a happy guy all right but that's a perfect way to round out the show here so paul thanks for the time thanks for being a guest on the building efficiency podcast all right well pleasure and uh, thank you for the opportunity all right take care All right, there you have it, episode 65 with Paul Murtis. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.